Greetings, and welcome to a special episode of A Night Adrift. My name is Vigil. I often warn you, friends, to move with purpose, guard your soul, and always beware the darkness. But today you will learn what tragedy awaits those that ignore this warning, and tread too lightly amid the wilds of Valerius. I bid you good luck, and farewell, brave travelers. Thinks he can best me, that bastard, a young woman muttered to herself. The words were muffled by a gray scarf wrapped tight around mouth and nose. She pressed her body close to the massive, outstretched tree branch. Her fur-lined leather jacket and tousled hair blended with the bark and summer leaves, rendering the woman's long, lithe form invisible. If only Rourke could see me now, she said as she crawled forward inch by inch. Indifferent green ants marched by in a line. Below her, a family of boars grazed in a tiny sunlit glen, enjoying the golden aura of the late day's light. One of the animals, a protective mother, larger than a farmhouse and covered in spiny hair, stalked the perimeter of the small clearing, staring for long moments into the dark twilight depths of the forest beyond. The low whine of chattering insects vibrated the air, as a soft breeze carried the sweet smell of a summer bloom. The air was damp and heavy with the threat of impending rain. A predatory grin spread across the hunter's lips as she watched the scene. From the folds of her camouflage, she unsheathed two long, shining knives with silent, practiced fingers. The woman released a shallow breath and continued to wait. Certain that the time was close to prove herself, the time to descend upon her prey. Out of a nearby tangle of bushes and vines, a low, threatening growl rumbled forth. The mother boar immediately halted her patrol to perk her ears up and listen in suspicious fear. Her long tusks trembled. The young ones stopped chewing. Above, the hunter readied herself, pulling her knees up and crouching in her concealed position. She let her eyes wander over her weapons, one of the knives broad and curved like a sword, the other straight and thin like a needle. Though the blades were polished and clean, nicks in the sturdy metal gave testament to their past experience. A vicious snarl shot from the overgrowth, rousing the young beasts from their sun-dappled reverie. A black wolf the size of a horse strode through the thicket, eyes bright and jaws wide, a long strand of saliva dangled from its fang-filled maw. Leaves and twigs clung to the fur covering its enormous, heaving frame, and from its black eyes to its barbed tail, two streaks of crimson fur ran across its back. Several growling companions stepped from the brush, flanking their pack leader. 
The young boars squealed in terror, their desperate porcine screams echoing through the quiet forest. The largest wolf bared its teeth and dove at its prey as its slobbering smaller companions dashed forward to join in the pursuit. For her part, the mother boar stood her ground, stomping into the dirt beneath her hooves and lowering her head in challenge. The creature's tusks thrust forward from its jaw like two battle-hardened spears. She seemed determined to protect her young at any cost, even if the task cost her life. As the wolf pack closed in, the young boars turned and ran, leaving a trail of trampled brush in their wake. The mother moved to block the smaller predators from following, but as she did, the red-streaked leader dodged her tusks to plow into her side. The wolf's jaws sank deep into unprotected flesh, and the mother boar let loose a furious scream. The boar flung the wolf from her bloody flank, clear across the formerly peaceful space where it struck with a thud against a massive boulder. The mysterious woman watched the battle. The boar and wolf were too focused on their bloody dance to notice the human form lurking in the tree above. The enormous creature circled each other, eyes locked in primal tension, as they shuffled from side to side amid the ruined grass and leaves. The woman casually stepped off her perch, long knives flashing, mouth open and screaming. She hit the forest floor with an assured thump and rolled forward between the two ferocious combatants. Her eyes shined with a confident gleam as she glared in the direction of the stalking wolf. The young hunter brought her weapons to bear on her prey and screamed again in challenge. The animals froze mid-step and gawked at the human in shock. The mother boar emitted a surprised yelp. Slobbering teeth bare and red, the black-eyed wolf barked in anger. Pleasure to meet you, beast. May you prove me worthy with the honor of your pelt, the young woman said in the direction of the predator. Uttered between bared teeth, her greeting was chilly and threatening. For a moment, the woman stood straight and bowed toward the beast. The sun continued to sink behind a burgeoning collection of dark clouds. As the wolf squared its shoulders and prepared to charge at its new quarry, the woman chuckled and grinned. This is going to be fun, she said. From behind the woman, a series of shrieks erupted in the distance. The mother boar squealed in response to her terrorized children. The animal peered at the small human arbiter, then dashed off into the trampled forest to find the young ones. The woman stared into the large wolf's eyes, certain this encounter would be a struggle. She crouched low, gripping her knives tight, and began to circle her quarry. The wolf snapped its jaws again in anger, then leapt with reckless abandon at its much smaller foe. The woman rolled forward to stab her straight knife deep into the animal's chest as it toppled her onto the ruined forest floor. The wolf howled in pain, then jumped away, shaking and baring its long teeth. A bright stream of the creature's red blood dripped to the ground, the wolf charged again, and the two combatants engaged one another with primal animal fury. Long knives stabbed and slashed, sharp claws swiped and scraped. Jaws opened wide to clap shut on her arm, but the woman turned her slender blade and punctured the roof of the wolf's enormous mouth. Again the creature howled and jumped away. As the woman grew more weary, the wolf grew only more furious despite its injuries. Eager to see the fight finished, the woman readied her curved blade, intent on slicing the beast from head to tail. She sprinted at her quarry once again, 
and dodged to the right, but this time the hunter was a hair too slow. The wolf lunged with its massive body directly into the woman's path, then brought its injured jaws down on an unguarded leg. The woman screamed out in pain despite herself, gritting her teeth and groaning in horror as the thing wrenched her body back and forth. The wolf shook its head violently, but the woman was not yet finished. She focused what strength she could and brought both of her blades up to the creature's heaving neck. With a cry of anguish, she attacked with all the energy still left in her arms. The curved blade embedded itself in the ferocious beast's hide, and with a guttural yelp, the thing relented its grip. The woman dropped to the ground, a bloody mess of leather, flesh, and blood. Her left leg was completely mangled and nearly severed from her body below the knee. Her own life spilled out into the dirt as she struggled to crawl away. How could I have been so foolish, she wondered. I wanted only to impress him. On the verge of death itself, the large wolf again lunged at the disabled woman, who this time aimed a long knife true. She pierced the beast's skull right between its frenzied eyes, ending its life in a moment. The thing collapsed beside her, fur damp with blood. The beast was dead. The woman was triumphant. But in the trampled grass and dirt, the blood of enemies pooled together. As it voided her body, the young woman stared into the golden sky, frustrated and disappointed with herself. The dark clouds of a summer storm creeped slowly across the patch of blue above. I was not worthy after all. Forgive me, Ork. I will miss you. The woman spoke aloud to no one. The world blackened around her as she spread her tired arms toward the surrounding trees. She wished only to have seen work once more before she passed to the void. A single wolf, ragged, alone, and much smaller than the others, emerged from the overgrown bush. It approached the wounded woman, where she breathed deep, desperate to cling to consciousness. The thing's eyes were black and motionless, one half of its body encased in black crystal. The woman turned to watch the strange creature approach her, and a moment later it stood beside her, looking down with a pitiful, condescending expression. You will die, it said. The voice was curt and sure. The woman stared in amazement. She knew its words were true. The strange creature continued. You will die, but I can help. Help me, and I will help you. With tears in her eyes, the mangled young woman nodded in slow, uncertain agreement. Without another word, the wolf bent its stiff neck low and began licking the destroyed leg. Minutes passed, and then hours, before an enormous man burst into the messy clearing, a large axe gripped tight between his massive hands. Brutish and tall, the man was covered with dark leather and fur, sewn and lashed together to form a coat and armor of animal skin. It was only a second before he saw the woman lying in the center of the glen. A strange dark creature stood by her side. Myrna! He shouted his booming voice alarmed and gruff. The tall man sprinted toward his wife, and without stopping, 
smashed his shoulder into the crystalline wolf. As the thing laid in the dirt, splintered and broken, a menacing peal of laughter rose in its throat. Rourke stared down at the bizarre creature with a look of disdain, then brought his axe down across its neck to silence the otherworldly sound. He swung his body back toward Myrna to assess the damage she'd suffered. He kneeled beside the injured woman to tie a thick strip of hide around her shredded leg. The fresh pool of blood around her body rippled at the impact of Rourke's heavy footsteps. Beasts, grant me your speed. The man prayed to the forest around him. He gathered his wife in his arms and ran as the first drops of rain began to fall. The sun set behind the dark mountain as Rourke shuttered the tiny house's windows. A black cloud had dogged his hurried steps, while monstrous winds set the late summer leaves to hissing. Before long, the storm had arrived in earnest. Water poured onto the thatched roof with the force of dropped stones, as if nature itself were intent on the hovel's destruction. Inside, Lightning flashed through the cracks around the shutters, for moments illuminating the house's single room and its occupants with a chalky glow. The stink of burnt atmosphere barely penetrated the thick, pleasant smell of hand-planed wooden beams. Carefully preserved vegetables and meats hung in one corner of the space, alongside a rack of well-worn tools and weapons. A crackling fire raged in the hearth and boiled a concoction of water and herbs. She would know. She would know, damn it. The big man growled to himself as he rummaged through a cabinet of small wooden boxes filled to brimming with ingredients. Rourke was a beast in the house, too large despite the high ceiling, but searched with frantic, messy urgency. Sweat poured off his furrowed brow and down his cheeks, mixing there with the remnants of furious tears. He flipped open yet another container, smelled its contents, then tossed them into the pot over the fire. Damn it. Thank you, imbecile. What would she have done? Rourke glanced over his shoulder toward his wife, a desperate plea for guidance in his eyes. In a corner of the room, near to the hearth, Myrna writhed beneath a pile of pelts and fur. A thin sheen of sweat coated her blazing skin. Though her breath was steady and quiet, she cried out from time to time in anguish as if tormented by a nightmare. A wreath of entwined flowers sat beside her on a low table. Chipped from a block of stone, a little bear stood on its hind legs, arms wide open. After a time, the man ceased his ministrations and deemed his efforts done. He poured a bowlful of the hot remedy and sat beside his dying wife. With as gentle a grasp as he could manage, he caught Myrna's trembling face and held the bowl to her lips imploring her with silent prayer to drink. There was nothing more he could do. It would be by her will she survived or died. When the hot liquid touched her lips, the woman's eyes opened abruptly. In a moment she sat up in bed, very straight and very still. Rourke gasped in surprise and took the woman's small hand in his wide grip, but Myrna only stared forward, unblinking, oblivious to the man holding her hand. Lightning flashed and thunder snapped. The wooden shutters clattered in the windows. 
Myrna, are you... are you alright? Rourke's voice was nearly a whisper. He sat forward on his stool and stared at his wife's beautiful profile, desperate to hear her speak. The flames of the fire danced in her wide, gray eyes, but still they would not blink. Rourke tried again, imploring her. Speak to me, love. Are you alright? What were you doing out there, alone? Please, say something. I beg you. Without a word, Myrna turned her stony face toward Rourke. The muscles around her neck were taut and creaked like wood as she moved her head. An unnatural smile crept across her lips. The flushed and shining cheeks raised and stricken with an unnatural rectus. Myrna? Rourke tried again. No, the woman said in a flat monotone. Definitive and unyielding, the single word sent a chill down Rourke's spine. He snatched his hands away from hers, leapt to his feet, and knocked over his stool in the process. No, the woman repeated, slowly shaking her head. What are you saying? Who are you? Rourke demanded in a vicious snarl. The woman that was not Myrna clucked a short laugh, then tilted her head to ponder a response. It's so warm here. So pleasant. What do you mean, love? You know what I mean, love. Rourke growled. The unsettling simulation of a smile on her face grew somehow more exaggerated as if the creature thought the expression would dissolve the situation. I'm your wife, of course. Thank you for saving me. She cooed in a soothing voice. Still she had not blinked. Still the tendons around her neck protruded like vines beneath her skin. My wife has never thanked me for anything in her life, and knows well there'd never be a need and she's never been so generous with her smile," Rourke remarked, trying hard to maintain control of his simmering voice. He could feel the rage spread like fire out from his hands, to his arms, to his entire body. His brow knit in scrutiny as he struggled to gain some understanding of the thing before him. The man and woman locked eyes in determined silence. Rourke's face was a grim mask of wind-beaten scars and creases. Outside, the storm blustered through the cracking trees. Suddenly, the woman blinked, and in a moment, her face transformed from a grinning veil to a horrified grimace. Rourke, please, help me, Myrna begged, eyes wild and filled to brimming with tears and terror. Rourke stumbled forward and fell to his knees by the bedside. Again, he clasped her small hands in his. My leg. The wolf... I just wanted to show I could do it, that you're not alone. I didn't know. I didn't know. Myrna screamed. The sound shredded the heavy air within the house and echoed beyond its walls into the harried forest beyond, challenging even the cacophony of the squall. Afraid now of what he would find beneath, Rook grabbed the edges of the pelts that covered his wife and ripped them from the bed. There he beheld a horrific sight, 
black, shadowy crystal crept up Myrna's injured leg, slowly encasing the destroyed flesh within a sheath of darkness. As a man of the forest and hunter of its beasts, Rourke had borne witness to countless horrors, heard whispers of the Voidborn. But he hunted animals, not monsters. As he watched, the dark obsidian spread up Myrna's leg and replaced her flesh increment by increment. On her sweat-soaked pillow, she thrashed her head back and forth, as if vehemently denying an unpleasant proposition. Her body convulsed in spasms of pain. Then, just as quickly as she had dispelled the sickening smile, an unnatural stillness froze Myrna's body. Again, her eyes opened wide and stared emptily into Rourke's horror-stricken face. His mouth hanged open in shock. Who am I? The woman spat, her voice no longer Myrna's. Molded by the flickering candlelight, her face was at turns beautiful, then terrible, then kind and then cruel. Lightning flashed again. Rourke watched the woman without comment, unable to find any words. His frown deepened, his eyes darkened. The creature continued. We're both. I'm her. And me. We're one, can't you see? She was so desperate to impress you. So desperate to live and see you again. I gave her what she wanted, what she needed. And she gave me what I needed. Now this bird set free of her gilded cage. What are you? Be rid of us, monster. Be rid of Myrna, I swear. Myrna's told me all about your temper. That's no way to talk to your wife, you know. You ask what we are, but you already know the answer. We're you. We're all of you. Forget the fear of death. Forget the fear of loss. Renounce your withering flesh, Rourke. Join us. Join her. In the void. The darkness spread through the cabin and closed in on Rourke as it did. The sickening, ever-shifting face of his wife flickered in the breeze-blown light. One moment, the fading echo of Myrna sobbed and strained. The next, another's human mask preened and smirked. Shadows grew deeper around the bed, dark like tar despite the embers that wafted on the wind that pierced the lover's home. Light was slowly smothered by some unseen, willful force. It crept along the walls toward the fire, eager to reach its black fingers into the hearth and choke the glowing wood. The animal of Rourke's mind fought to the surface and shook him from his gaping reverie. He looked at his wife's face, no longer able to see the woman he once loved. Before he had a moment to consider the action, Rourke's large, broad axe was gripped tight in his white-knuckled hands. Weapon ready, he stared at the bedridden creature lying in his wife's body. A drip of water fell from the thatched roof onto his forehead and startled Rourke from his blackening thoughts. Within seconds, the growth had consumed Myrna's hip and spread down her other leg. In moments, it would set upon her chest. When it spoke again, there was no longer a hint of Myrna in the demon's voice. You shouldn't have said what you did. Better suited for small game, you said. Should have remembered her pride. 
Nolan should try to prove you wrong. But those small, simple moments of imperfection, of forgetfulness, they make you human, do they not? They are the choices upon which your world turns. The demon trailed off, then stared again into the dying flames. It was a long, thunderous moment before it continued. Your container may be different, but in truth you are still us. Pride and anger would serve you so well in the void. Look how well it served me. Give yourself over to us, Rourke. Rejoin your beloved. Its inhuman peal of laughter was cut short, interrupted by Myrna's resurgence. Rourke's breath caught in his throat and he froze. Do it now! Do it, while I'm still me, Myrna commanded. Tears streamed down her harried face, black hair plastered to her cheeks. Obsidian creeped ever faster up her straining neck as her pleading eyes peered deep into Rourke's. I'm sorry, love. I'm so sorry. Remember. Remember us, she whispered. Her familiar grimace transformed again into a stranger's grin amid a crack of thunder and light that shook the little house. His vision blurred as Rourke lifted the axe overhead. So many beasts brought low by its blade. So many he hoped she would never need kill. Beneath the shining edge, Myrna writhed in protest, a low, choked chuckle pouring from between crystalline jaws. Chest heaving, arms trembling, Rourke brought the weapon down with a terrible, bestial roar. Myrna smiled, and indifferent, the rain continued to fall. A Night Adrift is written, produced, and narrated by Devin McKernan. Original music provided courtesy of Kai Engel and Chris Zabriskie. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Visit anightadrift.com to join Aveline's journey, follow us on social media, and be notified of new episodes, art, and stories. Thanks for listening.